you can hear me. All right, good. Awesome. Hey, what's up? My name is Jamie. If y'all don't know me, um, I go to this church. And uh, Okay. All right. So I'm going to do the scripture reading. We're going to get rolling. Y'all doing okay today? Yeah? Feeling all right? Yeah, good. There we go. Woo! That's what I'm talking about. I need whatever he's sipping on back there. Um, all right. <clears throat> all right. Scripture uh, comes from Psalm 32. I'm actually going to read the whole, the whole psalm here real quick. Uh, it is an NLT version, so it might be a little different than what you have, but this is just what I preach out of. It's a Bible that I use. Um, you know, in, in theory, it's all the same. You know, it's just trying to figure out the heart of God and, and what's going on. Okay. All right. So Psalm 32. It's a psalm of David. Right? We all know about David and kind of what he's been through and whatnot. Um, so, oh, what joy for those whose rebellion is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and, for, and, he, excuse me, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly confess their rebellion to you while there is time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or a mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad in all who obey him. Excuse me, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. Okay, let's say a quick prayer. We're going to get going, okay? Uh, God, thank you for today. And uh, thank you for this opportunity, Father, not only to just get up here and share uh, the things I feel like you placed in my heart, um, but the opportunity for me and everyone in here to get a, a chance to experience you, to learn something more about ourselves. Father, I pray that as we listen, God, and as I share Lord, that you would help us to take something from where we are and allow it to, to move us into a deeper relationship with you, better understanding of who we are, God, um, that even in this moment or as we leave this building, God, as the week goes forward, whatever it may be, Lord, that, that we would not leave here unchanged. Right, so just have your way. Speak. Do what you're going to do. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right, cool. So everybody's good. Awesome. Glad we're doing good. Uh, let me start with this. I have a family, and one of the members of my family is my six-year-old son by the name of Titus. You might have seen him running around a little bit. Uh, he's such a bundle of joy. He really is. Um, and those of you that have children, those of you that have uh, young children, old children, whatever, whatever it may be, um, you try to connect with them as best you can. Okay, as they get older, they get a little more reclusive in the sense of, like, not wanting to share as much with their parents. I think that's just a thing. And so Titus, at six years old, is kind of, he's, he's less open now 
I think, a little bit than he was, you know, kind of younger. He's like, Daddy, Mom, you know, whatever it is. But now um, that's kind of kind of how he is, right? So uh, one of the things that we like to do, him and I, is he comes home from school on a weekly basis. He's in kindergarten. He just graduated kindergarten, which is great. So if you see him, be like, hey, congratulations, man. Like, that's awesome. He's going be like, what? You know, just, 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 just say, hey, we're, we're glad that you made it. First year, done, under your belt. It's awesome. All right? He's going to be like, cool, can I go play now? Like, yeah, it's fine. Um, so he comes home every day from kindergarten, and we'll sit down on the sofa, and we'll just talk for a minute, and I try to kind of ask some questions, figure out um, kind of how his day was. So it usually goes something kind of like, hey, Titus, how was your day, man? Good. Hey, cool. What'd you do? Oh, no, I forgot. <sighs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Guess got to try a little harder. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so, buddy, like, I mean, like, tell me about it. What do you remember? Um, uh, I, uh. I wrote a little bit. I wrote some, right? And this, this happened like two weeks ago, right? This happened two weeks ago. I wrote about some stuff. I was like, oh, cool. What'd you write about, big guy? What'd you write about? Um, uh, I, uh, did, I, I don't have, I didn't have time. I forgot. I was like, huh? Like, what does that even mean? Right? I said, like, well, talk to me. Big guy. So what did, what did Miss Heck, that's the teacher, what did Miss Heck want you to write about? Um, uh, well, we had to write about helping people and um and I and I don't I don't I don't know what I don't I didn't do I don't know I don't know what happened I forgot I was like huh I was like that's that's the thing about kids man like a lot of times they're gonna talk to you right and in their mind it makes total sense right but like to me or to you as a parent you're like what in the world just came out of your mouth like my daughter right 18 months old she loves to do this she was sitting at a chair she'll walk up to you and she goes and I'm like, yeah, cool, man. That's what's up. She's like, got him. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he knows exactly what I said. I was like, I have no idea what you said, but I'm glad we're on the same page. So we're good. Anyway, so Titus continues to share a little bit. I keep kind of asking some questions, what's going on? I said, well, what, what, what did you want you to write about? Well, what, what did you write about? Oh, I wrote about um, Atticus. It's a boy in his class. Atticus, he, um, he helped me when I fell and I dropped my Pokemon cards. Okay. So that's cool. And at this time, he started getting a little, uh, little fidgety. Started kind of like, you know, and, and I don't know if, you know, as your parent, you can kind of tell when your kid's got something going on. I'm like, ooh, like what, what, what button did I hit? Like what's going on? Like I don't know, right? And sometimes we just have that radar of like there's something, there's something going on, right? So I, I was like, I'm just going to ask a couple more questions, see what happens, right? I was like, well, what do you mean? Addison, Pokemon cards? Like, what? I, don't, I don't get it, dude. What are you talking about? He's, um, I... Well, I just, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I ran out of time, and then I wrote about Atticus and stuff, and I was like, okay. So did you turn it in? Like, what happened? And I kid you not, like, in a moment, <gasps> I was like, what is the deal? Like, what's going on? He goes, I lied to his heck. I said, what do you mean you lied? I was I didn't know what to write, so I wrote about Atticus and, and the Pokemon cards, and I didn't even have Pokemon cards. And I was like, oh, buddy, it's okay. Like, I get it. I hear what you're saying, man. I was trying to hold back from laughing because I was like, this is hilarious. But I was like, I got you, big guy. It's okay. Like, it's okay. Miss Heck's not going to pull you out of class and scold you or anything. Like, it's all right. It's okay. All right? But... The thing that, that kind of got me was that, like, here's this kid, my kid, who has this 
thing that he's carrying, this thing that he's struggling with, and I didn't even know about it, right? And then he just, like, walks up to me, and, like, we're talking, and it just comes out because he's like, oh, man, I'm going to get found out, you know? Like, oh, no. And, like, I wasn't looking for anything. But like I said, it just happens sometimes, right? Because you just can't help but put it out there. And so I was trying to kind of connect that to kind of like where we're going today. I wanted to talk a little bit about being honest, talk about being open, transparent, right, with each other, with God, right? That's why I call it keeping it real. We got to keep it real. Keep it 100 is what they say today, okay? We're going to keep it real. That's what we're going to do. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about how God feels about it, what he thinks, right? Like on the the bad side, dishonesty and all that kind of stuff, but then also on the other side, kind of like what's the benefit of being honest and open and transparent? Like what do you learn from it? And then then we're going to keep it moving. All right, y'all cool with me? All right, awesome. So I will say this. I like, let me just apologize in advance. I was a teacher, so uh, you feel like you're in a classroom? Oh, well. All right? (laughs) That's what I do, okay? All right, so let's start out. We're going to talk about dishonesty. Raise your hand if you know what dishonesty is or have heard of dishonesty. Yes. All right, good. So some of you are being hopefully dishonest. Like, you know what? Yes, we know what? Okay, cool. We know what dishonesty is. If not, I'm going to explain it to you, okay? This is what I found. Behaving or prone to behave in an untrustworthy or fraudulent way, okay? Intended to mislead or cheat. Now, often when I hear the word dishonesty, I think about lying. I think about not telling the truth, okay? But the thing that stood out to me in this was the second one that says intended to mislead or cheat. It doesn't have to necessarily be your words, right? It could be your actions. It could be what you say about yourself, how you carry yourself, right? Sometimes it's not saying things to give off the impression that this is what the reality is. This is what the truth is when in reality you know that there's something else going on, okay? Get what I'm saying, right? So anybody follow me? You know, dishonesty is. It makes sense, yes? There we go. Got one. All right, cool. We know what dishonesty is. So let's keep it moving. So I just like to ask questions. I like to ask questions. I like to find answers, try to find answers, okay? And then you just kind of wrestle with it. So the question I'm going to start with is, how does God feel about dishonesty, hiding, deception? What do we know already, okay? And so this is why I kind of get into Scripture. Now, I haven't written all of the Scripture on here. I just give you the references because it's a lot of information. I don't want you to have to kind of flip here and flip there and like all that kind of stuff. Just you can listen to what I'm saying, and then I'll kind of explain what I'm talking about. That makes sense? Cool? Awesome. All right, so first thing, Hebrews 6.18 says, So God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can take new courage, for we can hold on to his promise with confidence. Okay, so God cannot lie. That means that it is in his design. He is designed in such a way that he cannot lie. It does not say that he won't lie. It says that he can't. He can't lie. You get what I'm saying? He's not designed that way. Some of us are like, yeah, I kind of hate running. I'm not designed that way either. Right? My house on fire, you better come pull me out of it because I'm not getting up. I do not run. My body's not designed for that. You get what I'm saying? Right? So I wonder, in this same regard, you know, God feels the same way about lying. He's like, I can't lie. Not I won't. I can't. It's not in my nature. I'm going to be all of who I am at all times, and I'm going to meet you with every bit of who I am. But I will not lie. I, will not. I cannot lie to you. I can't. I can't. If he lied, then he wouldn't be God. Right? God can't lie. Okay? Now, also we know that God hates deception. 
I got two passages here for you, okay? Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, it says, There are six things the Lord hates, no seven things that he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord among brothers. All right, two of those seven are connected to deception, connected to lying, connected to misleading other people, okay? And they're things that he detests, so God doesn't like that. All right, then Isaiah 29, 13, 15 says, And also, so, excuse me, and so the Lord says, These people say they are mine, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. And the worship of me amounts to nothing more than human laws learned by rote, as I was corrected on saying that wrong last service. Destruction is certain for those who try to hide their plans from the Lord, who try to keep him in the dark concerning what they do. The Lord can't see us, you say to yourselves. He doesn't know what's going on, okay? God doesn't like the faking or the pretending. Again, it's a form of deception. It's a form of lying, all right? He doesn't want you to just be like, yeah, I'm just going to do this, but really I got this stuff going on over here. Or I'm going to tell you just a little bit of what I got going on, but I got this going on over here. God don't like that. All right? So we know from these two things, and there's probably more in Scripture, that God can't lie. So it's not in his design. He probably didn't like it. And then on top of that, two of the seven things, according to Scripture, that he hates are connected to lying and deception, as well as Isaiah 29, 13, and 15. He doesn't like when people say things, when we say things, when we act like we are for him and internally we are far from him. Okay? Does not like lying. All right, can we repeat that? God does not like lying. Let's do it again. God does not like lying. Awesome. If I had Jolly Ranchers, I'd be flinging them everywhere. Okay? All right. (laughs) So the next question then, now we know what we know about God. The next question is, why then does he hate dishonesty? In other words, what happens when we're dishonest? Right? Because really the reality is is God kind of just hates sin. He doesn't hate people. He hates sin. Right? Because of what sin does to people. Right? It, it, it hurts us, and he loves us with everything that, he's, <clears throat> everything that he's got. So why, as dishonesty is a part of sin, why does he hate it? What happens to us when we are dishonest, when we are not authentic? Okay? Jeremiah 9, 3, 6 says this, My people bend their tongues like bows to shoot lies. They refuse to stand up for truth, and they only go from bad to worse. They care nothing for me, says the Lord. They pile lie upon lie and utterly refuse to come to me, says the Lord. So based on this, deception goes from bad to worse. God doesn't like it because it just gets worse, right? You pile lies on top of lies, and it becomes our new norm, right? As you lie, that lie gets covered, and then another lie gets covered. And as it continues to get covered, it becomes normal, You begin to accept it as a truth. Deception gives birth to more deception. Deception Deception gives more birth to deception. Okay? Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Again, it's all about God wanting what's best for us because he loves us with everything that he's got. All right? He's shown us these things as to why. Okay? Acts 5, 1 through 11. This is Ananias and Sapphira. I think I got it right. Okay? Um, Not going to read the whole story. But I'll tell you the, kind of the highlight. You got Ananias and Sapphira were a part of some of the early Acts church uh, members. And uh, they had this property that they were going to sell, and they were going to give the riches back to the community. Okay? And they were going to tell Peter about it, disciples, whoever it may be. Um, and so what they devised was a plan 
to get all of their money but only give a little bit of it back and say that it was everything that they had. All right? So if they get $100, they say, hey, we're going to give them 50 We're going to say all we got was $50 and keep another 50 for themselves. So they go to Peter and they say, hey, man, this is all we have. And Peter basically is like, dude, why would you do that? Like, why, why would you lie to God and the Holy Spirit? It wasn't us you were lying to. It was the Holy Spirit that you were lying to. Right? And instantly, after they had that little conversation, boom, they died. They were done. Okay? So when we lie, we die. Okay, I know, I know, I know, it's a little extreme, I got it, okay, that's why I put it in quotations, <laughs> all right? What I basically mean is that, like, when we are not honest with God, we're not honest with other people, something continues to eat away at us, all right? Or something continues to die, if you will, because it's not in light, right? And it'll just keep eroding and gnawing away. Something continues to die, and you can see that here. I think that was, that was some of the purposes of why that's in the Scripture, to say, when you're not honest, like, you're really only hurting yourself. You're really only hurting your relationship. You're really only hurting the people that you're, you're talking to, that you're lying to, right? And you hurt your relationship with God, and it's not God's fault. It's ours, because he's like, I want all of you. I want everything that you got, okay? All right, cool. Y'all staying with me? All right, appreciate it. All right, next question. If we know that God is against deception and hiding, then we can reason that we know that he is for honesty and transparency and telling the truth, correct? All right, that's what I'm talking about. I got a couple of scriptures up here to kind of let you know, all right? Matthew 22, 37 says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Okay, love God with all of ourselves. And I'm not just talking about effort, okay? Not just talking about effort, as you'll see right here. Hosea 6.6, I want you to be merciful. I don't want your sacrifices. I want you to know God. That's more important than burnt offerings. Okay? He wants your heart. He wants your mind. He wants the depth of who you are. More than any sacrifice that you can burn. All right? More than the number of times you go to church. All right, or how many pages of the Bible you read at one time so you can tell your friends about it or whatever it may be. Where's your heart at? All right, in Psalm 51.7, the sacrifice you want, this is David talking about God, is a broken spirit. A broken and repentant heart, oh God, you will not despise. If God's not going to despise a broken and repentant heart, then that must mean that he accepts it. That must mean that he desires it, that he wants that. Because God can work with broken. He does it every day, and he does it with us. Get what I'm saying? He wants broken so he can fix it. And not just fix it, but make it beyond what it once was. Give it purpose. That's us. That's all of us in here. Right? All right. Amen. All right, so then why? Right? What's the benefit of being honest and transparent with God and other people? All right, again, going back to Scripture, we look at James 5, 16. Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. There's healing that comes from being open and honest and transparent, right? Galatians 6, 1 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, if another Christian is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. 
If you think you are too important to help someone in need, you are only fooling yourself, you're really a nobody. (laughs) Be sure to do what you should, for then you will enjoy the personal satisfaction of having done your work well, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. All right? So as scary as it is, if we see somebody that we love, that we care about, and wants us to be honest, God, you know, God wants us to be honest with them, the result is that you get a clear conscience, right? You've done your part. It's off your shoulders. Because once you share whatever that truth is, whatever you feel like God is really putting on your heart for that person, it's up to God and that person what they do with it, right? But God will let you wrestle with it now. He will be like, oh, like, you know, your son don't need to be doing that. You know your children don't need to be watching that, right? You get what I'm saying? He's going to put it on you. He's going to ask you to, like, step out in faith now and to, to hold others accountable because that's part of being in the church. That's part of what we need. That's part of what we need. We can't survive in isolation. The scripture that I had in here says, a man that isolates himself is destined to death. Like, I mean, that's straight, blunt, like, right out there, right? We need each other, okay? We need each other. We need each other to be open, honest, and transparent, Okay? And continuing on with that, Ephesians 4.25, all right, another quick verse. So put away all falsehood, talking to the church, and tell your neighbor the truth because we belong to each other. There is a sense of belonging that we satisfy when we are honest with one another. I know it can hurt sometimes, and it can be kind of scary, right? But there's a sense of belonging that we need. If we're honest with one another, and if it's done the right way, okay? I'll be honest. That's, that's the thing. What, what, what you don't want, um, I would imagine so. I hope this never happens, and if it does, I guess, you know, you cross that bridge and you get to it. Does somebody come up here and say, well, church, uh, baby, I'm sorry. Uh, I just want y'all to know I've been cheating on my wife for the last six months, and uh, it's out there. I'm good. All right. And get, you're like, no, 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 no. There's a, way, there's a way to do it, and if you do it correctly, all right, do it the right way, a sense of belonging, a sense of grace, right? You belong to something, it develops and it strengthens, all right, because we all need that, all right? And it's easy for us to overlook that because you get in our bubbles and we get wrapped up in all these other things that grab our attention and tell us that this is what we're worth or this is what gives us value, this is what gives us purpose, right? And if it's not love and not loving and not God, in a godly community, you might want to reevaluate what you consider as love. You might want to reevaluate what you consider purpose, what is good, okay? All right, and then Psalm 32, I've already read that one. I read that one at the beginning, but I'm going to read the first half one more time so we can get another picture again of, of something that happens that's good when we are open and honest, either with others or with God, okay? And this is David, again, talking to God or writing about him talking to God and what happened. All right, oh, what joy for those whose rebellion is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and you stopped trying and stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me all my guilt is gone. When we are open and we are transparent with God in our own relationships, our guilt is gone, we're forgiven, and our purity of heart is reinstated. Because otherwise, we're just carrying whatever it is that we wish we could get rid of. All right? And it's not rocket science. 
You know, that's not what makes it hard. It's not difficult to understand. Like, we, we, we get that. But what we don't understand sometimes is why. All right, we're going to unpack that a little bit, okay? So, if we know the heart of God, okay, he can't lie, he loves us, he's for us. And the command to be honest, open, and transparent, share your troubles, all right? You see somebody going wayward, talk to them, all right? Or be honest, confess your sins to God, whatever it may be, and the benefits of doing so, the freedom, right? You've done your job, you've done your part. Why do we hesitate, right? Why do we hold back and pretend with ourselves, others, and God? Well, let's take a little trip back to Genesis. There it is. Take a little trip back to Genesis. Tell you where it all started, right? You guys are familiar with Adam and Eve? Correct? All right, cool, because I was like, man, I, like, we'll come back next week and we'll talk about that too, all right? Uh, so Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve, the garden, the fall of mankind, beginning of sin and whatnot. Um, at this point in Scripture, this is right after Adam has taken the apple, and, uh, or apple, excuse me, taken the fruit and has, has bitten it. And now we, we kind of fast forward to this part, this part. Genesis 3, 8 through 1, it says, Toward the evening they heard... The Lord, Lord God walking about in the garden, talking about Adam and Eve, heard God walking in the garden. So they hid themselves among the trees. The Lord God called out to Adam, where are you? He replied, I heard you, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten the fruit I commanded you not to eat? Yes, Adam admitted, but it was the woman who gave me, it was the woman you gave me who brought me the fruit and I ate it. Debatable, right? You were there. You know what was going on. Um, Here, because he was naked. Okay, we see that in the beginning. All right. We fast forward to the New Testament, John, three, eighteen to twenty-one. This is right after, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We love that because it really is. It's it's the essence of of why we believe what we believe. But there's a lot of context that comes with it, and there's a lot that we learn from it. So moving forward, verses 18 through 21 says that there is no judgment awaiting those who trust him. But those who do not trust him have already been judged for not believing in the only Son of God. Their judgment is based on this fact. The light from heaven came into the world, but they loved the darkness more than light for their actions were evil. They hate the light because they want to sin in the darkness and they stay away from the light for fear their sins will be exposed and they will be punished. But those who do what is right come to the light gladly so everyone can see that they are doing what God wants. Okay? So these three things. We hold back. We hide. Because we feel naked. Right? Right? We stay in the darkness because we're afraid of being exposed. We're afraid of the punishment. Okay? So why do we hesitate? Right? A possible answer is this. To sum it all up, the fear of rejection from God and our loved ones. Sit on that for a minute. We struggle, I think, with our honesty and our transparency with God and other people because we don't want to be rejected by God if we open up, if we come clean. But here's the irony. 
If you go to God and you give him 70% of yourself, that other 30% is you that is rejecting yourself. Or me rejecting that part of myself. I don't want God to have that 30% because I don't want him to reject it. And by default, I'm the one that's actually rejecting it. And even a further danger, right, a lie piling on top of a lie, deception gives birth to perception. That 70% that I've given God over time begins to pose itself as a 100% intact relationship with Jesus. So that 30% that you're not dealing with is now way back over here somewhere, and it's all swirling back here for Satan to mess around with because that's what he wants. Satan is a deceiver. He's the one that wants you thinking that if you open up and if you're honest with God with where you are, that he's going to reject you. Why? So he can mess around with whatever it is that you're hanging on to and keep you there. It's what he wants, and that's why God hates it. He says, give me everything so that nothing can come get you. Does that make sense? Right. Now, if you think I'm crazy, okay, check this out. I had, or I took the liberty of, this past week, um, as I was preparing for this message, uh, I went and just kind of asked a bunch of random people this, this question. Okay. I said, what is the hardest part and the best part of being honest with either yourself or someone else. Okay, now these are some people I know, some people random. I just ran into them at a coffee shop, right? Didn't say anything. Like, I just introduced myself, obviously, but you know, like, I was like, hey, I got a question for you, man. And it was crazy the responses that came back. I'm, I'm gonna read them to you here real quick. But everybody kind of appreciated the opportunity to talk about it, right? Which is, which is funny considering the fact that we don't like being open and honest and transparent most of the time. Like, it's just not a thing that we're naturally comfortable with. All right? But this is, this is what, what, what I found, okay? When I asked them what was the hardest part about being open, honest, transparent with themselves or with others, okay? They would say, saying things that you don't want to say, hurting others' feelings and the reality of our shortcomings and our need for God, the other person being hurt, hurting the other person's feelings, Vulnerability and how it'll be received, how others will receive it, how others will feel, how it'll be perceived, potential for that thing to be used as a weapon against me. Focusing on what you think, feel, and to say it accurately so that it's understood well. Pride, because honesty requires vulnerability and pride is a direct enemy of vulnerability. The sacrifice of self makes it hard. The judgment from others makes it hard, right? There's an array of things that make it difficult, all of which lead to this fear of pain and this fear of rejection, okay? On the other side, check this out, okay? The best part, the best part from these same people about being open, honest, and transparent when you need to be, feeling of relief and a clear conscience, clear conscience and a deeper need for God, clear conscience off your shoulders, clear conscience, freedom, liberation, free, no guilt, freedom, no guilt, Freedom and liberation, reciprocation of and surprise of God's uplifting response, growth, healing of relationships and death, renewal and healing, deepening trust. What are we doing? What are we doing? We walk around and we hide. 
convincing ourselves that this is the best that it's going to get for, for all of us. We go to God and we give him a little bit. Convincing ourselves that this is the best it's going to be for all of us. But taken from people here, when you go to that point, when you go to that place, there's freedom. There's a clear conscience. There's a deepening of trust. And we're all searching for it anyway. That's why we do the things we do. Every day, we're searching for purpose. Every day, we're searching for love or to be loved. We're searching for meaning. We're searching for acceptance. We have a hard time accepting ourselves. We have a hard time believing that God is going to accept everything, every, every bit of ourselves. Y'all, Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. All of your heart means all of your heart. I'm not talking about trying harder. I'm talking about letting go. Because our understanding of what happens, what keeps us in a place apart from God, is the very thing that makes it hard <laughs> and continue to be harder. Is that fear? If we're honest with each other, there goes the relationship. If I'm honest with my spouse, they're going to hate me. If I'm honest with God, he's going to reject me. He's going to condemn me. He's going to cut me down. He's going to kick me out of whatever group I'm a part of. If I admit this mistake or if I share even this, let's, let's, let's take a step out of mistakes. Let's just talk about the fear of, like, what we don't know. If I tell God, and I've been a Christian for however many years, that I still struggle with whether or not, like, he really loves me, Am I being authentic? Yes, you are. One, because God already knows that. But two, because he wants to get into that and give you a new truth. Don't let a lie or a perception of a lie become your reality. Don't give God 50%, 70% and say, God, this is the best I have to give. Why? Because as Ananias and Sapphira had it, you die. There's a part of you that is dying. There's a part of us that's dying. God wants more. God wants all of us. All of us. Every bit of it. If you say, God, I got to be honest, I can only give you 10%. Well, good. You're being 100% honest about it. And he loves it. Because he can grow that. But we got to be willing to go there. We do. We do.